check, check. Can you hear me now? Hey, isn't that exciting? Everybody give Dwight a big hand. Good job, Dwight. Wow, I, I mean, he, were, he was just there for me. All right, I've got some quotes, and these are some, some sayings that people have about moms. I think you guys are going to really uh, appreciate this. Some of you have probably heard some of these things, but I just want to make sure you get an opportunity here. Uh, here's some things that mothers have taught us over the years. These are some things. Here's a quote. A mom might say, if you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. You ever heard your mom say that? You know, some people, their mom taught them about religion. For instance, one mom said, you better pray that will come out of the carpet. Have you, ever, you ever heard that? Or how about uh, this guy said that his mom taught him about time travel. His mom taught him about time travel. If you guys don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Isn't that amazing? Or... Uh, this guy said his mom taught him how to be logical. She would say things like, because I said so, that's why. You ever heard a mom say that? Or uh, another guy said his mom taught him logic also. She said, if you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <laughs> you ever heard that? Um, sometimes moms teach us how to plan ahead. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. If you're in an accident, you might not have clean underwear. I don't know. That's just, a, <laughs> just something to think about. Uh, sometimes moms teach us about osmosis. You know what osmosis where things get absorbed? Shut your mouth and eat your supper. Have you ever heard that? How do you do that? I'm just curious. Um, sometimes moms teach us about hypocrisy. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. You ever heard that? Some of y'all get that later. It'll be really funny. Um, sometimes moms teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. Yeah, I've heard that one. And then sometimes moms teach us about anticipation, you know, expectation. Just wait until we get home. You ever heard that? I always heard, just wait till your father gets home. Oh, that was... That was wonderful. Um, moms also teach us about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. Have you ever heard that? Stop crossing your eyes. Sometimes moms teach us about humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. <laughs> Sometimes moms teach us about our genealogy and our history. Shut that door behind you. Do you think you were born in a barn? You ever heard that? I've heard that. And this is my favorite one. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. There you go. Let's give all the moms a big hand today. <laughs> well, if you're a visitor with us today, we're glad you're here. We've got a visitor card and the seat backs in front of you and we'd love for you to fill that out. We promise we will not stalk you. We are not stalkers. But we love to know folks that are in town. We're starting a series right now. started it last week, and it's called Running with the Giants. And this whole series gives us an example out of Hebrews 12, chapter 1, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Paul, in the chapter before this, in chapter 11, he was talking about the heroes of faith. 
And he was looking back into the Old Testament and even some in the New Testament. But he was talking about all the different people over the life of the Hebrew people, of the Jewish people, and now into the Christian faith, of all these great people of faith, Moses and Abraham and Samson. And he just goes down this whole list of all these great heroes. So here's the thought for this series that we're in right now called Running with the Giants. Bible tells us, Paul's telling us here, he said, I want you to imagine that you're surrounded, you're in, a, you're in a ball, you're in a huge sports arena like the Olympics. And you're running a race on the racetrack. And in this stadium are millions of people and all these people are watching you run your race. And they're cheering you on. And here's the big thought. Imagine if these heroes of faith could come down and run a lap with you. Just one, one lap. Imagine folks like Jonah. Last week uh, we talked about Noah. Imagine Moses, you know, Peter, Jesus. Think about, think about if these folks could come out and they could run one lap with you. And in this one lap, they would, they would talk to you and they would say, all right, I'm going to give you one great, big thought. One big thought. Well, that's what this series is about. And today we're going to talk about Esther. How many of you have heard of Queen Esther before? We're going to talk a little bit about Queen Esther's story. And so I want you to imagine you're on your lap and you turn the corner and out of the stands comes Queen Esther. She's got her running suit on. So she comes up beside you and now you're running one lap and Queen Esther's with you. And, and you say, Queen Esther, what is the big idea that you would share with me? And this is what Queen Esther would probably say. That God has a place for you. God has a place for you. I want to encourage you this week, and I actually want to give you a little homework. When you're doing your Bible study time this week, I want you to go and read the book of Esther. It's a very short book. It's in the Old Testament, and it's an amazing story about how God uses this young woman to save the entire nation of Israel. Now, let me give you a little backdrop. At the time of Queen Esther's life, the Jews had been taken out of Israel, and they'd been taken captive by the Medes and the Persians. The Persian Empire had captured them and had exported everybody out of the country of Israel and had taken them to um, Persia to, to be with the, the Babylonians, the Persians, all these people. So they had been taken out of their homeland. And during this time of exile, Esther was born and she lived. But here's what's interesting about Esther. Esther's parents had died when she was young. So she was an orphan. So Esther is an orphan in a country of orphans. The entire country has lost its identity. And now Esther, is her parents have died. So she's an orphan in this country. If you've got your scriptures or your notes, to open them up here. I'm going to read to you just for a second about Esther's story. This is Esther chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. And his name was Mordecai the son of Jair, the son of Shimea, the son of Kish, he was a Benjaminite. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off with King Jehoiakim. Everybody say Jehoiakim. Bless you. <laughs> King Jehoiakim of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. The girl had a good figure and had a beautiful face, and her parents died, and Mordecai had adopted her. So the story of Esther is she starts off in a foreign land. They're, they're in a foreign land. She's born in a land of occupation, and she is an orphan. And she's adopted by her uncle, Mordecai. So Esther's somebody that's obviously faced some challenges in her life, hasn't she? 
She's grown up without her parents. She feels alone. She feels like she doesn't have a place. Have you ever felt overlooked or alone? Have you ever felt like you just didn't fit in? Maybe you've been at a place and you felt like, you know what, I just don't belong here. I think that's how Esther felt. I've got to tell you a story. A while back, um, Trish and I went up to Jonesboro and we were having Mexican food, which, as you know, Mexican food is the food of Texas. And so we were having Mexican food, and, and I needed to go to the restroom. So I got up, and I walked into the restroom. And have you ever been somewhere, and you just felt like something wasn't right? Well, I walked into the restroom, and I'm standing there, and the first thing that I notice is it smells better than any restroom I've ever been in in my life. And I'm looking around, I'm like, man, it smells good in here. And then I notice after a second a, a lack of urinals. And, and, you know, when that feeling starts coming up of, I'm in the wrong place. And, and I remember very vividly going, something's not, like a deer, you know, oh, you just sense something's wrong. And it, and it smells better than a guy's restroom. And I begin to back up, and I realize what's going on. I'm in the women's restroom. You got it. And, of course, you all know how it works. My angels are standing outside the door laughing because they weren't coming in, you know, and they're like, here he goes again, and so I turn around, and as everything works out for me, a woman comes walking in the door, you know, and I'm standing there, and she looks at me like I'm a moron, and I am feeling like a moron at this point, and I'm like, I gotta go, you know, so I just kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of feeling I'm talking about, <laughs> you know you're in the wrong place, you don't fit in, nothing feels right, okay? Well, that's Esther's story. She doesn't fit anywhere. She doesn't feel like she belongs. She just feels out of place. Well, we can all relate to that. So I want to talk to you today about how you find your place, how you find your place. Here's number one on your notes. Finding your place requires great faith and trust. Finding your place requires great faith and trust. Let me give you a little more background of the story of Esther. King Xerxes, how, how cool is that name? Xerxes, X-E-R-X-E-S. I mean, this guy's a manly man, isn't he? What's your name? Xerxes. <laughs> you know, sounds like something you'd name a pit bull, Xerxes. But this is this guy's name. His name is King Xerxes. He's king over most of the known world at this point. And, and he had this wife, and her name was Vashti. Everyone say Vashti. Isn't that exciting? His name was, her name was Vashti. And King Xerxes is having this party and all of his buddies are there. And he says, you know what? I want to show off my wife. His wife was very beautiful. He said, I want to show off my wife. So he calls the servants and he said, go get Vashti. Tell her to come in. I want her to see everybody. So the servants go and they go see Vashti and they knock on the door. And apparently she was watching a soap opera or something because she decided that she was not going to come. And she said, I'm not going to go. Tell him I'm not coming. How many of you know back in the old days that wasn't a good idea? Well, the Bible tells us that King Xerxes, the servant, comes back and goes, uh, she's not coming. She's doing her nails, whatever, but she's not coming. And he throws a fit. The Bible tells us he became furious. And he gets so mad, he, he's got some of his counselors in the room. He calls his counselors together and says, what am I going to do about this? And here's what they said. They said, you're going to have to punish her because if you don't punish her, every woman in the land is going to decide she can do whatever she wants to do. 
So you're going to have to make an example out of her. He says, all right, I'll do it. What do you guys want me to do? Well, we're going to discrown her. So they kick her out from being king or queen. How about that? That'll teach her to watch soap operas. Days of our wives or whatever it was she was watching. So they kick her out. They pass this law and kick her out. And the king says, you know what, though? I need to have me a queen. I want to have a queen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a beauty contest. And this beauty contest went on like a year, and they have this beauty contest, and he is going to pick a wife. He's going to pick the most beautiful woman in the land. Well, the Bible tells us that Esther was beautiful, and so she got to come and be part of this beauty pageant. Well, at the same time, there was a guy that lived in the country that hated her uncle, Mordecai. And the reason she hated this, uh, the reason he hated Mordecai is because Mordecai would not bow down to him. This guy was high up in the kingdom, and Mordecai would not bow down to him. So this guy, his name was Haman. We'll call him Haman. Okay? So Haman gets mad at Mordecai, and he decides, you know what? Not only am I going to get Mordecai, but I'm going to get all the Jews. So he gets the king to pass a law that declares that they're going to kill all the Jews throughout the entire province. So this is where our story is. Esther's in the beauty pageant, and now there's this plot to kill all the Jews. So that gives you a little background there. We have to learn in our life that regardless what our situation looks like, God has a plan for us. And in this huge soap opera that Queen Esther is now living in, God has a plan. Esther, verse 217, says this. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, so she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head, and he made her queen instead of Vashti. The end of the story is Esther wins the beauty pageant. So she's walking across doing her thing. She's got her roses. They give her the little thing, and now she's the queen. So she, she wins the beauty pageant, and, and now word comes to her that the Jews are going to be eradicated, her people. Now what's interesting is that King Xerxes did not know she was a Jew. He didn't know her historical background. Psalm 34, verses 14 through 15 says this. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their cries for help. Let me give you number two on your notes. Number one, finding your place requires faith great faith and trust. Number two, finding your place in life requires great courage. Esther verse 4, 13 through 14 says this, and here's where we are in the story. Mordecai has found, they actually sent out notes to all the other provinces, and this note said, you can kill the Jews. And Mordecai received one of these notes, and he sent a message to Queen Esther, and he said, look, there's this decree that's going out, and they're going to kill all of our people. Now, Esther may have thought that since she was the queen that she would not be killed like everyone else. But this is what Mordecai, he sent a note, and this is what it says. Do not think, this is verse, chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Do not think that because you are the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent... At this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this. 
Don't be afraid. This is God talking. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I want you to understand something. As Esther began to realize what was going on, she became afraid. She realized that not only her life, but the life of every one of her countrymen was about to be snuffed. And of all the people in the kingdom of Israel, she was the only one that had the potential power to do anything. Have you ever been scared before? You ever been scared? You know, we've been riding up and down the road. You guys know how much I love snakes. I told you my snake story the other day. Well, right now there's copperheads all over the road. Anybody seen a lot of copperheads? Well, I am an official copperhead eradicator. I'm going to start putting little symbols on the side of the car, like a fighter plane. You know, I'm finding them. Well, the other night I run over one, and Trisha's in the car with me. She says, I have a fear. And I said, what's your fear? She said, I always have a fear when we run over a snake that it's going to grab a hold of the wheel and jump up in the car. She said, I can just see it. It's like, ah, and it's going to, not with hands, because they don't have hands. But, you know, it's going to run over, and it's going to jump up in the car, and it's going to sneak up under and bite us. Well, that starts freaking me out. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm starting to look around. Y'all know how much I love snakes. But, but the truth is, I want to tell you about a word, and it's called courage. Many of you have heard the word courage. Let me tell you what courage is and what courage is not. Courage, very simply, is this. Once I find my notes. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it means accomplishing your, your mission in life, even if you're scared. Courage is not the absence of fear, but courage means doing it even if you're scared. And this is what I say. This, this is the way I sum up courage. Courage is doing it scared. Courage is when everything looks bad and you know something needs to be done and it's standing up, even if you're the only one. And that doesn't mean fear's not going off in your heart. But that means you're going to do it because it needs to be done. And that's what courage means. So I want you to understand something today. Maybe God is calling you to do something in life, and frankly, it scares you. You can't imagine that God would call you. But you know what? This is where courage has to rise up in your life. You know, some of you are being taught, so, called to be teachers, and some of you are being called to serve in different areas. And it never fails. Whenever I meet with people, typically when I talk to them about God's call in their life, they're very nervous about it. They feel like it's beyond them. But that's where courage has to rise up. And the Lord tells us, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, because I'm your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. And I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. When you're scared, it's okay. Here's Esther, you know, in this situation where she's scared, and now she's already understanding what it might take. Here's number three on your notes. Finding your place in life requires great focus on God. Finding your place in life requires great focus on God. Esther 4 verses 15 through 16 said this, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. She's found out what's going to happen, so she responds back to Mordecai, and this is what she says. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, for three nights or a day, I and my maids will fast as you do. I want you to understand something. Some of you right now are facing really difficult challenges in your life. Maybe they're physical challenges. Maybe they're financial challenges. Maybe they're relational challenges. Let me tell you something. When you face a situation that's more than you can contain, you need to go to God and you need to fast and pray. 
You need to lay aside the flesh. When we fast, what we're doing is we're laying our, our flesh aside and we're saying, God, I need you to hear me. And we, we set aside these things and we fast and pray. So that may be an answer for some of you today if you're facing challenges. Some of you might say, well, I have physical challenges. Then fast and pray. Some of you might say, well, I need answers about a decision I've got to make. Then fast and pray. Go to God because he knows the answers. And that's what Esther did. She said, we've got to figure out what we're going to do, and we don't know what we're going to do, so I've got to go to God. And she set aside time to do that. And this is huge right here, this point I want to make to you. We've got to learn to get our eyes off ourselves, and we've got to get our focus on God. You know, we're all born selfish. Is there anybody in here not selfish? Raise your hand, you unselfish. Thank you, Scott. There you go. I'll talk to you after service, God. <laughs> but you know, we're born selfish. You know, I, t- I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and, uh, but how many of you ever seen a newborn baby that said, please, mother, may I have some milk? Or, please, mother, I know you haven't slept in three days, so just take the night off and relax. You ever seen a baby do that? No. Babies want what they want, and they want what they want five minutes ago. And they're going to cry till they get it. You know, there's this nature that's born in all of us that we're selfish. We want what we want. But if we're ever going to find our place in God's kingdom, we have to get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes and focus on God. So imagine Esther's position, guys. Think about this. Just put yourself in this position for a minute. She has gone from being a nobody to now being the queen. She finally has achieved all this great power and all this great influence. Somebody that grew up with nothing now has grown up where she's in charge. And she begins to realize that God has placed her in this position for such a time as this. So that she can go to the king and try to get this rescinded. But understand where she might be fearful and she might be concerned. Remember the last queen that got kicked out? She got kicked out of being queen just because she didn't show up to a party. And now Esther's going to go to the king, and she's going to say, Hey, you know what, guess what, I'm a Jew, and the guy that, by the way, is your second in command, Haman, who's the second in command of the kingdom, is trying to kill all my people, and I want you to stop it. She's scared to death. She is scared to death. But you know what she did in this process? Is she got her eyes off herself. And got her focus on God. Here's number four. Finding your place requires great initiative. Finding your place uh, requires great initiative. Esther 4 verse 16 says this. Esther said, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She made up her mind. She said, you know what? I need to go to him. We need to have this conversation. And even if he kills me, I need to go have this conversation with him. And she didn't wait very long either. And many times in life when God tells us to do something, we go, you know what? Let me think about that, God. You ever done that before? Or maybe, maybe sometimes what you've done in life is you've kind of said, well, God... Here's the deal. I, I want to serve you, but wait till I graduate from high school. Or, God, I want to serve you, but wait till I get this degree. Or, God, I want to serve you, but I need to get a raise. Or, God, I, and, and so God calls us to do things, but we want to wait until everything works with our timetable. Anybody ever done that? I know I have. But when God calls us to do something, 
He wants us to take initiative and step out. You know, there's a couple of quotes I wanted to read you today. And I love this one. This is by a guy named Jack McAllister. I don't know who he is, but this is a really good quote. It says, if you don't make dust, you eat dust. If you don't make dust, you eat dust. In other words, if you're not out getting after it, everybody, if you're standing behind the person that's making dust, I mean, how many of you have, have ever been on a trail ride before? How many, come on, let me see your hands. What happens if you're not the first horse? <laughs> it stinks and you get dirty, I'll just tell you right now. There's a, a, a saying, a business saying that says, if you're not the lead dog, the view is the same. Talladega Nights, if you're not first, you're last. I mean, come on, some of y'all. But if you don't make dust, you eat dust. Here's a second quote by a guy named Will Rogers. Anybody ever heard of Will Rogers? Listen to this. He says, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. You know, I remember in athletics growing up, especially football, you know, a lot of times we'd get out there and we might forget the play. And I'll never forget some of my coaches saying, when that ball's centered, do something. Don't just sit there. Even if it's wrong, do something. Take initiative. And Esther's in a position now that she knows she needs to go to the king. And she realizes, look, I need to take the initiative. I think it's interesting, though, that Mordecai, if you look back and read this story, Mordecai said, I want to read this. For if you remain silent, Esther, at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arrive from another place. Isn't that interesting? But who knows that you may have been called to royal position for such a time as this. You know, there are some of you that God has called to do things. And if you don't do it, eventually God will have to call somebody else to do it. I'm going to say that again. There are some of you that God has called to do something, and if you don't do it, he'll eventually send somebody else to do it because he's going to accomplish his mission. And I'll be honest with you, one of the things in my life that has driven me my whole life, my dad taught me this, is that I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that gets passed over because I didn't step up. I don't want to be the person... That God says, you know, Chris, I called you to do this, but because you weren't willing to step out, I called somebody else to do it. And I really want to challenge you right now. Don't let that happen in your life. God is a God of grace, and he is a God of mercy, and he wants you to step up. But he's not going to wait forever for you to step up. If he's called you to do something, then you need to get busy and start getting after it. Amen? That's a serious thing. Well... We've been running our lap with Esther, and I'm coming down to my last couple of points. I want you to imagine you're on the track. Esther's with you. She's been sharing all these things, and now you turn down, and you're on the home stretch. And you know once you get down here, she's going to step back up in the stands. So you might turn to her and say, all right, Esther, any last words you want to give me before we're done here? I think this is what she would say. Here's your little box. When you don't understand, stay steady. When you don't understand, stay steady. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
You know, there are things that happen in your life that you don't understand. All of us, all of us deal with challenges that we don't understand. A divorce that you didn't expect. You walk into work one day and there's a pink slip waiting for you and you're done. Maybe there's an accident. Maybe there's a sickness that came out of nowhere. Maybe your business is struggling, whatever. And, And all of a sudden you're facing these challenges in your life. You didn't prepare for it. You don't know what to do about it. And here it is. Listen to me. When you don't understand, stay steady. You know, the the time to prepare for war is not when you're in one. The time to prepare for war is before you're in one. And we all know, Jesus said, in this world you may have tribulation. What did he say? In this world, you will have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And I want to tell you guys something. We're going to face challenges in our life. But when the challenges come, when the devil starts knocking on the door, stay steady. She would say that to you. And remember Romans eight twenty eight: all things work for good when we're on God's team. When we're on God's team, even though the situation looks bad, he's going to work it out for our good. Here's the second box. When you finally realize God's purpose for your life, you will feel empowered. When you finally realize God's purpose for your life, you will feel empowered. Acts 10.38 says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. When you come to the place where you are willing to step up, God will empower you. I've told you about this quote in my office. It says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If God calls you to do something, he will equip you to do it. It is not up to you to manufacture this. God will give you grace. He will give you power. God will give you what you need to accomplish the objectives he's called you to accomplish in life. He will empower you. Let me finish the story of Esther. Esther goes, and she said, the king, and she comes to see the king, and, and he says, what can I do for you, Esther? She said, I want you to call Haman, and we're gonna, I want us to have some time together, just the three of us. So the king calls Haman, and all, they all sit down, and, and, and the king says, Esther, what do you want? What can I get for you? He said, I'll even give you half of my kingdom if you just ask for it. She said, you know what? This is all I want. Tomorrow, I want us to sit down and have lunch together, me, you, and Haman. He says, done deal. So the next day they come back. And in the meantime, Haman has built a 75-foot gallows. And on this 75-foot gallows, he's going to hang Mordecai. Okay, that's what's going to happen. So he builds a 75-foot gallows. He said, but you know what? I don't have time to do it right now. I've got to run to this dinner with Esther and the king. Now, he has no idea that Esther is Mordecai's adopted daughter. Esther's, uh, Mordecai's niece, right? So this is how this is all playing out. So they sit down, the three of them at dinner, and the king, they have dinner, and the king says, now Esther, what can I do for you, really? She said, king, I got to tell you something. A decree has gone out to kill all the Jews. Mordecai, my uncle, I'm a Jew, and all the Jews in the kingdom, and Haman's the one that sent this out. And the king becomes furious. He becomes absolutely enraged because he realized that Haman is going to try to kill 
his wife Esther and all the other Jews and the king becomes enraged and the Bible tells us that he steps outside. He gets so mad, he gets up from the dinner table and steps outside. Get this, this is amazing. So while this is going on, Haman gets down and starts begging for his life from Esther. So he's down, you can imagine, imagine the visual image. He's down on his knees and he's begging for his life. There's this couch sitting there and she's sitting on the couch and he begs for his life. And the Bible tells us that he swoons and falls on the couch. Guess who walks in when he swoons and falls on the couch? The king. What does it look like now? It looks like he is trying to have an affair with the queen. So the king now, not only is he mad, he's so mad he says, take this dude out and hang him right now. And in this way, the whole king, the, the king cancels the decree. They declare a holiday. Mordecai gets promoted to the number two man in the kingdom. Esther saves the day. Isn't that an amazing story? But I want you to know something. There is greatness inside each one of us. There is greatness inside each one of us. But there's a key to unlocking that greatness. Here's your last blank. When you know that God is in control of your life, it's easier to take the next step. When you know that God is in control of your life, it's easier to take the next step. In other words, we have to surrender. See, Esther got to the place that she was willing to surrender to God's will. And that's my question for you today. God has a special place for you, but have you surrendered your life to his will? See, most of us in this room have made Jesus our Savior, but have you made him your Lord? Is he calling the shots? You know, I've got in my hand here, most of you won't even be able to see this. I went outside and I found an acorn. This is a red oak acorn. Oh, somebody pinched the baby and it wasn't me. I'm just saying it wasn't me. (laughs) But have you ever seen a red oak acorn? Have you ever seen one? Now this, I got this from the big tree. As soon as you walk outside, there's a, there's a big acorn, there's a big red oak tree right here. Tree's probably what, 60, 70 years old, maybe older than that? Maybe 100 years old? And I went under that tree and this is the acorn that I found. Did you realize that in that red oak tree is everything that's needed to grow that big from this little acorn. All that's in there. That's okay. I feel like that too. Usually Monday morning. <laughs> but did you know the DNA for that entire tree is in that little acorn? There is greatness in, that, in that, this little acorn. But I was thinking about it today. Anthony was out there with me. You know, you look at this massive tree and you think, how could that come from this one little thing? Well, it needs a lot. It needs to be in the right soil. It needs the right amount of water. It needs the right sunlight, right? And I started to think how that applies to our lives. Did you know that if we'll be willing to submit to God and surrender to him, all the greatness that God has is already inside of you. He has already put this inside your life. You don't need to go out and chase something for your life to be amazing. God has already put it inside of you.
But the only way that you're ever going to become the great person that God's created you to be, the only way that the seed of your life is ever going to become great is if you surrender to him. Why? Because he knows the exact amount of soil that you need. He knows the exact amount of sunlight you need. He knows the exact amount of rain that you need in your life. You know something else that I've always found amazing about trees is they tell us that the roots of a tree are as big as the branches on the tree. So what you see above ground is also that big underground. And a lot of times the greatest trees are the ones that have endured a lot of storms. How about your life? Have you endured some storms in your life? But if you'll trust God and if you'll surrender your life to him, everything, and say, God, do with me what you will, I'm going to give you everything. He's going to let your life grow. There's greatness inside of you. Right now, there's greatness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that like Esther, each one of us has a plan. You've given a plan, Lord. Your word tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you have a plan for our lives. And it's a good plan. But, Father, the only way we're going to achieve that plan in our life is if we surrender everything to you. And, Lord, we trust you. So I pray, Father, today as we're here that right now I know that you're dealing with people's hearts. There's some people here today that have never made you their Savior. There's some people here today that have never made you Lord. They're leading their own life, and it's not working out well. If you're here today, nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. If you're here today and you want to make Jesus your Lord, you want to, you want to surrender everything to him today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to surrender everything to him today. Or maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate your life. He's your Savior, but He's not your Lord. And you know you've been making your own decisions. You've been calling your own shots, and it's really not working out very well. If that's you, and you want to rededicate your life today, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Today I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here, and you're dealing with challenges in your life. You're dealing with some relational issues or financial issues maybe your body you're dealing with a sickness and you just want people to pray with you and agree with you you need to touch heaven well I've got good news for you God's here today and he, he can do something about the challenge you're facing if that's you just step out for any of those things if you raised your hand step out and come down to the altars and we're just going to take a few minutes to pray God's here and he can do something about your situation amen
sometimes we can look at our life and we can feel like too much has gone by I've made too many mistakes I've, you know I've done too many things wrong this is where the grace of God this is what makes our faith so different 
God can meet us at the point of our need, wherever we are, whatever we've done, and he can clean the slate. And some of you think, well, I don't deserve that. You're right, you don't deserve that. But something that God has just been putting in my heart that resonates, look, you can't change yesterday, you can't change five minutes ago. But God says today, today, start today. He's not going to count your past against you. If you will surrender everything to Him, He's not going to count your past against you. You can start today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Not because you deserve it, but because He paid the price for you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand today. Take your neighbor by your hand if you like. Father, we just thank you today for everyone here. We pray that you'd bless us. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the price that you paid so that we could be free. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Change our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, guys, the strawberries are in the lobby. Don't forget, high five five people. Tell them happy Mother's Day.